We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. The timing of when you say a word in relationship to the beat that can be everything because the MC has to be a drum within the beat I'm looking for that in uh, the stand-up comic absolutely I'm looking for it in the presidential speech I'm always looking for the timing of when a word is dropped it's beautiful the dope pause that sucks you in Oh, Obama was the man at that. That's an art, too, that I had to learn. When to pull a word, when there just shouldn't be a word, when to just breathe right there. Like, it's all art. Joe Budden is a force in hip-hop culture. He's an MC who retired and became a podcaster and became a way bigger voice in the culture because he keeps it extra real. Joe ain't easy to interview, but he's great to talk to. I am so excited to bring this one to you guys. You'll get half of this conversation here, and for the other half, go to patreon.com slash show and sign up to get more of me and Joe, as well as exclusives just on Patreon, like me and Lil Yachty, Royce the Five Nine, Pharaoh Monch, Malcolm Gladwell, and many more. Right now, it's the mighty Joe Budden on Torrey Show. Just the sound of your voice is really unique and powerful. It's very deep, and it comes from very deep in your throat in your chest and it really stands out comes from years of bad judgment and (laughs) regrets smoking (laughs) oh man (laughs) yeah yeah but i i I do like what it has done to my voice probably not for my health it's it's you're much deeper than most rappers um deeper in what way I mean, like the the sound, the sound, of, the, the oh, sound, yeah. and the gravel, and mm-hmm. like the depth from within your chest that it comes from. Yeah, it's much, a lot of rappers' the voice is kind of high. You know, you think Jay Z so hard, but his voice is kind of high. His voice is high. You know, Q Tip, you need go on. People's voices are kind of high. Your voice is very deep. Yeah, but you you also naming you naming some of the people with like the greatest tones. Yeah, and greatest rap voices ever. So it's like. Um, who else is like that? 
like Fife, rest in peace, Fife. Snoop's voice is kind of high. Snoop. Um, yeah, it's only a few of us like this. You like Rick Ross is a little more toward your Ross's tone of depth and gravel yeah. and. Yeah, they always bunch me in with like I guess you would think of a Jeezy too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. a bit more raspy. Um, but the way people rapped started to change, right? So. Like I, we were talking about a clip the other day where Big Sean was rapping, sitting down, like talking, mm. but he was rapping the verse. So that kind of happened this decade where your tone on the mic wasn't even a rap voice anymore. Now, just your speaking voice would do the verse because now today allows for more spacing. The beats got slower. A lot more space. So now... You know, it damn near is not, there are a lot of songs that's just really not rap at all. It's spoken word. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like With some double, the, double the old snaps. man being like, back in my day, verses had density. <laughs> and now there's so much space. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like the 90s era that you were a part of, it became so complex in terms of density, in terms of the things you were talking about, in terms of the number of words that were squished in between the choruses, Mm -hmm. that the only way for the next generation to differentiate themselves would be to go in the other direction of more space. I agree. You you couldn't get any more dense. I agree. No, I just agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that before, though. Like, Like when everybody was complaining about the mumble rap and the slurred rap with the slower spaced out rap. It was like, well, shit, what else did you want the kids to do? <laughs> How like, else would they do? We had already done all of that. Like, let them create from a different, from a different wavelength. I really appreciate guys who are thoughtful about the ad libs to where it feels like they're talking to themselves in the verse. <laughs> it can be done in a really intelligent way. It can be done in a really dumb way. <laughs> But it can be done in a really smart way. I like when it's done dumb. <laughs> you dumb. like the I dumb? Do. I do. I do. Because I enjoy, as a as a former recording artist, I listen for your ad-lib track. I listen to how many of them you have there. And I want to see how you utilize it. So, like, when, uh, actually, the other day we were just playing uh, Wyclef, uh, Someone Please Call 911. I think that's the greatest ad lib track ever. Just like pick up the phone, y'all. Just in the background, like responding to the hook that you wrote. Excellent. Yeah. But it was funny. Yeah. I love the dumb shit. You still write? I haven't. Urge to write? No. No. Mm-hmm. You don't miss it? I mean, I walk through the house and conjure up a bar or two here and there. It's like shooting an air jumper. In the trash can. Right. So, I mean, but actually sitting down and writing something out. No. Not in my phone. I write podcast topics. You know, one thing I notice listening, especially I listen to Knuckleheads podcast a lot. I love that show. Mm-hmm. You, you, you listen to that show? I'm familiar. Love that show. A lot. That and and and, and uh, all the smoke. A lot of the... Love them. Basketball players say that Drake is their favorite of all time. That comes up. Oh, he's number one or number two. They'll say Pac and Drake or Pac is, or Drake is my number. And I'm like, wow. 
this generation like really respects him as a serious MC. I was like, he, he's dope. He made a bunch of songs that I like. I never took him as like a serious MC to be on somebody's top five. Hmm. It's interesting as you say that. I know who Drake is as an MC. He has made several songs that I love that I would go rock with right now. He has made, and barely any rapper of the last 10 years has made anything as complex as Exhibit C. Just, just, just putting up, and like you put up one complex, brilliant, personal statement like that. I mean, like I wrote an essay on Exhibit C. I don't, there's very few rappers who I could like look at their song and write a whole essay, like just combing through the song. And like, that's why he, to me, remains in high esteem. It's not about, not necessarily about the amount of product, but like you put one up that high it's true. And, and, and you've done that, you know, many, many times, many, many bars that are like super complex. And you're talking about spirituality and centuries mm-hmm. ago, and your head is completely somewhere else. It's true. That's true. So that's why I continue to be interested in waiting for what is this guy talking about? I think you'll get a lot of that on whatever's to come. Lil Nas X tweeted, who in New York want to have a crying contest? And your response was so ill. You said, I'll crush you, nigga. You never been sad. (laughs) (laughs) What are you you talking about? Break that down for me. Which is so dismissive, too. That's horrible. What? I'm so dismissive of this kid's sadness. <laughs> but you're like, yo. I but mean, shut the fuck up. Like, how old are you? You're 19, 20. Just was born. <laughs> the world has been great. You were you were born to FaceTime calls. Like, you don't you don't want to talk about sadness. I'll fucking end you. Talking about your what are you what are you referring to when you say that? You never been. I I'm Joe Budden. I know sadness. What are you referring to? I'm referring to my entire discography. (laughs) It's all it's all sadness. It's sadness over beats. And I could really go to any point in life and find something that I might have been sad about. That's not something that has escaped. I mean, maybe recently, but yeah, there's always something to be sad about. What are you sad about now? No, I said that's escaped recently. So now you're happier than you've ever been? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, with the exception of the birth of my children and moments like that. But yeah, I'm, I won't say happy. I'll say at peace. At peace. But take me into some of the depression or sadness that you have dealt with. Oh, well, shit. From 10 to 21 was depression and sadness. Um, where do we want to start? Wherever, wherever. Yeah, from 10 to 21, let's do a quick timeline. My older brother's five years older. So whatever he was going through, we all went through. So if he's 15 and I'm 10, yeah, that's probably the beginning of whatever traumatic experiences and you uh, are happening to you and how you will deal with them moving forward. Right. So then you run into puberty 
Like, and this is just vaguely speaking, but you can kind of get a sense of what's going on here. Then you run into puberty, you fucking figuring out how your dick works. You're figuring out guns and drugs and music and the streets. And yeah, all of that was horrible. Being reactive, depending on what type of household you come from, you might've been sheltered and now you want to wild out in the streets. Like, yeah, that, those were dark times. Uh, learning about, the judicial system, learning about being black in America, <laughs> learning about America and the marketing scam that that is. Like, it's all sad. We're born into it. You can pick a spot and I can point you to sadness at that time. I mean, even when you get to be... And then, and then I hit the music business. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, you had a lot that of success. Sounds... You had a career that you know, a lot of people would respect and like a lot of people would envy. And yet you're like, yeah, but I was really sad. Oh, I, that's my story. I, I, I speak to that. The music business, uh, much like America, big marketing scam. Uh, it's presented to be one way and it's entirely different. And you have to go through that to learn that. The part that I'm fortunate, the part that I'm blessed and fortunate about in my story is I did all the avenues. I don't think there are many people that can say that in music. I did them all. I did the major with the big single. I did the major without the big single. I did the switching of regimes in a major. I've done being shelved on a major. I've done the independent route. I've done the digital only route. I've done the mixtape route. I've done the the group route. Like, I've done TV. Like, all of these different, yeah, I, I that's where the blessing comes. Because now you're just taking information from all of these different places and, and it's on display today. And you're locating your sadness externally, right? The The environment is imposing crazy situations on you and that's making you sad. Was there not depression that was coming from within you that no matter what the input you would have been sad well how do we know the answer to that i mean you would well, only you would like, know the answer to that well, that's, but. well what i'm saying is my parents were my dad was on coke and crack my mom was so again you're born how you're born and you're born into what you're born into we were born in the we were in Washington Projects in Spanish Harlem. So, no, I'm a baby. I don't know anything about sadness. But the environment was sad. And that continued. So, I mean, no, I didn't ever, I never looked at myself as sad inside until I started to take some personal, uh, personal inventory in my brother's rehab that he was in at 10. And then it was like, whoa, okay, maybe there are all these things going on that I was unaware of. And then I just started writing from that point on. So then I was always fully aware of what was going on inside because I was always writing it, which is why I say it's all in my discography. It's there. It's documented.
we'll get back to the show in one second. But let's talk about longtime supporter of this show, Policy Genius, because they want you to know shopping for life insurance can raise a lot of questions. You may be like, how much coverage do I need? Which insurance company is best? How much should I be paying for this? Given the pandemic, a lot of people are thinking about making sure they are taking care of their family with life insurance. Policy Genius can help make all of this much easier. They take care of you by making sure that you don't pay more than you have to and you get the right coverage. They compare quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place in just a few minutes and help you find the best price. There's not a lot of legwork for you. It's a lot of legwork for them. And you could save $1,500 or more every year. That's real money by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, they handle all the paperwork and all the red tape. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they take care of anything. So look, you need life insurance. If you're not sure where to start to get it, go to policygenius.com. Policygenius.com. Policy Genius will help you find the best rate. They'll handle the process completely and make sure that you and your family are protected. God forbid something happens to you, which gives you one less thing to worry about. If you love Torre Show and you miss the days of me talking about politics on MSNBC, and really, who doesn't? Then check out my other podcast, Democracy-ish, where I sit with Danielle Moody-Mills and argue and strategize about the 2020 race from a black and progressive perspective. I want you to put real words and real plans behind the way that this current administration is trying to wipe us out. You can find Democracy-ish wherever podcasts are streamed. All right, back to Torre Show couple months ago, five and a half, four and a half months ago, I stopped smoking weed because I realized I'm numb to reality because I'm smoking all the time. And I've been smoking all the time for like 20 years. Oh, okay. Um, where are you at? Because the first time we talked, we talked about you getting, you're drinking behind you. You sure? Back then? I think so. I don't think I was drinking back then. Yeah, I'm saying he was behind you. Oh, okay. You were you were yeah. you were in control of that habit. Yes. Um We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. 
Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of Blackness. Each of NPR's Black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Where are you still now? Still there. With, you're still sober? Yes. What about with drugs? How are you doing? Still there. Is it a struggle for you? No. I mean, when we're in this culture, people are constantly doing it, offering it. <sighs> what culture? Hip-hop culture, young black male American, culture. American culture. Eh? Boy culture. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, this is bigger than hip-hop. It's not just, we may be being used, but it's much bigger than hip-hop. They still won't tell us where the coke is that came in on the J.P. Morgan bus. I mean, on a boat. Like, it's not a hip-hop but it's issue. Like, it's, like, it's like almost every hip-hop song has to have some reference to it. It's like, I feel like there's some inspector who's like, did you make a reference to hit, to marijuana on this album? No, go back, slip it in somewhere. Even if, even if it's a song about blah, 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 like just slip in a reference somewhere. Just make sure everyone knows that you're still smoking. And those messages get in. You don't even realize it. Like, oh, it's I conditioning. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, who just, somebody just, uh, Damn, somebody put out a, a vlog about this. About how, the, uh, damn, somebody from a group, somebody from Bone Thugs, they put out something saying that 30 years ago they overheard some exec from the label saying, hey, put this in the music so we can condition the kids from urban communities. Really? Yeah, that, that's... Again, back to what the music business really is. So when you say culture, like I always want to stop people to say, all right, what are we talking about in culture? Because that might be a fucking myth too. I mean, it's multiple cultures overlapping. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But it, uh, I find sometimes I have to think ahead of like, I used to smoke with that person 
and I'm going to see them in six hours or 12 hours or in two days and I have to tell them ahead of time, like, I don't do that anymore, so please don't offer. Because when we get in the moment, I may be tempted and, like, get back into the habit of, like, yeah, we used to do that. We had a good time doing that. And, like, okay. You know what I mean? And then, like, when you get close to temptation, it's harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you find yourself tempted or needing to like, you know, pre-condition people like, I don't do that anymore. So don't offer that no. to me. Not everybody around me pretty much knows how I give it up. Your post-music path has been really fascinating. And I'd you, say. You've, you've, you've expanded your reach and your place in the culture. Uh, you know, I mean, like you had a certain place in the culture when you were an MC, mm-hmm. but I think your place in the culture is much bigger now with the various things you're doing. And I know you say it wasn't purposeful. There was not some strategy, but how did this happen that the your place in the culture has expanded so much more? Because that's not normal. Well, retiring from rap is not normal. Let's start there. <laughs> True. So the start of this was nuts. And that was a process of even getting people to believe that, you know, you're really done. You're not going to, everyone says they're done. So, you know, I, I was determined to stand in that. Like to go back would have been regression to me. So I stood in it, and I and I relied on the things that kind of I practiced while I rapped, like I did radio when I rapped. Um, I fucked around with putting different audio on different platforms before it was podcast. Just practice, and I always said when rapping was done that I would try my hand at broadcasting of course when i was saying that i was thinking uh hot 97 uh bls or some shit like that who knew that this audio phenomenon would be taking place like this i didn't i didn't at all so then we just had a string of good ideas from there the same as making a song we just started Take using the time to create some other things, and and they worked, and the people appreciated it. The people, uh, they respected it. There was there was a void this decade, honestly. Like when I was rapping, at the tail end of me rapping, I walked out of like four different interviews, walked out of Ebro, curse Charlemagne out over here. Like the trend of rappers. Wanting to do press, that was dying, dying quickly. It was dying fast, and then and then we had our own outlets. So I was like, you know what? You come up here to ask the same salacious shit. They don't really give a fuck about the project. They didn't listen. They don't care about you. So yeah, they just stopped doing that shit. So when I started doing it, it was like, all right, I'm an artist. I know what I hated. So. Let's talk for real now. And yeah, there was nobody doing that really. 
Like when we were doing Everyday Struggle, I cursed L.A. Reed out on on Everyday Struggle. Like you you weren't going to get that from a journalist or a radio guy or it was unique. It was special. Yeah, it was looking back at it. And then that kind of just continued. And then Joe was going to Joe, so some shit imploded. And when that, not imploded, exploded. And when that exploded, shit, that that made, that helped. That helped? That helped, yes. Why did it explode? Explosions help. Why did it, why did it help? Why did it help? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, why did it explode? Bad business on half of my business partners. <laughs> It exploded for the same reason that it will always explode. Uh, the creative is going to get with the financer and say, I'm going to build it. And once it's built, the financer is going to act differently than he did before it was built. That's just the story of time. <laughs> and that's why I exploded. Because you can never, you can't say that to me. I'm going to always opt to go and build again without you. That's been the story of my career as well. So some of those habits just were helpful still. Joe being Joe was helpful still. Not erratic, not, pardon me, out of control, not ill-tempered. Was very thought out. Was very, we're going to do this on the side of simply what's right and what's wrong. Like, you can ask my business partner. Everything I do is... Is that right or is it wrong? And it works that way. And that's how we've gotten here. <laughs> but explosions help. Yeah. Makes people think he's independent, he's real. Oh, I don't know about any of that. How does it I help? Can't, I can't. Well, I'm saying this in hindsight. I'm saying this looking back. At the time, you don't know that. You don't know that exploding will help. At the time, that's a risk. <laughs> At the time, it could piss somebody off. There's a million things that could happen then. I'm saying, looking back. It helps. Wow. <laughs> Who knew that me leaving Complex would grow my podcast audience that much? In a time where people don't even know if audiences are transferable. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like, Shit. Why does the podcast work so well? Why do so many people want to listen to it? I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I would be lying, man. I don't know. I don't know. I still try to figure it out every week. It's unique. I mean... What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals... Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. You Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I think what you did with Everyday Struggle, State of Culture, is different very different. They're all different. So, I mean... Well, the podcast is great. The podcast is great because those are really just my friends. Like, really. Like, today we see a whole bunch of podcasts with people attempting to look like friends. Which, cool, but these are really my friends. Like, Parks was has been my engineer since 08. Maul has been my man since Mood Music 3. And Rory's my man. Newer than them, but nonetheless still my man. And we just kick it like that. It's this, it's, we just go in there and talk how we normally talk. About a lot of shit that I probably wouldn't normally talk about, but still. I find myself, I like the... The shitster of everyday struggle and state of the culture, where you are a little bit more of the truth teller, elder statesman. Let me tell you why this is happening. I've been there. I've seen that. What you're saying is bullshit. This is what's <laughs> real. The podcast guy is a little more chill. He's hanging with his friends. Yeah, with with. Say the culture, everyday struggle, you kind of have your armor on and you're kind of like, that's bullshit. And, and, but not like, cause you've been there and done that as an artist, mm-hmm. you can really say that's bullshit. Yeah. And it's different than, you know, like I understand the business, but you're, I've been in it. Mm-hmm. And I know what that artist said there is bullshit or what that label did there is bullshit. And I also know that being that guy, it comes along with being labeled nuts because you're always looking through a very unique just view. You're looking through, it's rarefied air. It's it's a lens that very few people are going to understand what you're saying. So we're just rolling with what you're saying. <laughs> well, one thing you do, well, which I appreciate as a person, I mean, we are older in hip hop culture now, right? We are not the dominant generation, mm-hmm. right? And we're not the, our generation is not the dominant consumer. Mm-hmm. And you speak from the perspective of, I've been in this for a while. I am the older generation of this, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like to me, maybe it's because we're generational <laughs> peers. It doesn't sound like get off my lawn, you kids with your shitty modern hip hop. It's like, no, let me keep it real. Cause yeah, I've been there, done that. I had to work. I had to work through that. Because there was a time where it did come off that way uh, earlier this decade, uh, maybe 2000, 
2011 to 2014. It was like, oh, what the fuck are these kids doing to music? Um, but once you let go of that, what really helped me with that was my son rapping, <laughs> mm. to be honest. That really, really, that really fucking was a teachable time for me. Like my son rapping, figuring out what he wants to do in this climate, this industry of fuck shit, like it changes your perspective a little bit. So then I started looking at all the kids like they were like my kids. It's like, damn, I just want to arm these kids with like info. Now, what they do with it is what they do with it. They're operating at a different time with different tools, but I just wanted to arm them. So that's probably why it doesn't sound like that now. Wait, take me into how your son's foray into emceeing helped you more deeply understand the next generation. He's he's how old? 18 now. He's 18. So, well, he's just barely. He's, just, he's actually not a millennial. No. Yeah, he's he's Gen Z. <laughs> I don't know, but the, <laughs> the the youth. But how did how did how did his endeavor into emceeing help you start to say, "Oh, I understand the youth better. I understand what they're trying to do better." Um, I mean, even before before he was comfortable letting me hear the the raps from him, just him playing music around me that was helpful to me and we would talk about the music he liked the music he listened to he would put me on to certain artists that eventually went on to do great things i think the first time i heard tory lanes was from my, my kid I'd say, hey what's that what's this chicks tape one who's that oh he's this kid from over here he's pretty big he's we were having those types of talks so when he started rapping or when he was comfortable letting me hear the raps then naturally that progressed into conversations about him rapping and studios and some of the struggles that come along with trying to rap at that age. Like, damn, that uh, our laptop crashed that we were working on and fucking my friend, the car broke down so we don't have a way to get to the studio. Like, I remember all of this, like me going through it. Um, And then the music that he was making, like, what are you making? Who are you trying to appeal to? What is your goal? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to, you're trying to get signed. Like already you in a different space because you are rapping and you in college. Like I didn't go. Uh, I'm so glad that this is your experience. But now how does that look? Trying to rap and go to college. Like just being able to understand what the younger generation was thinking with music. Uh, how they were feeling about music. Um, and how they were feeling about us, like, I, I'll say shit to my son. I'll say, get your whole ass out of here. He wouldn't say that ever. But sometimes you can see it. You can see the, uh, this, oh, God, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Thanks so much to Joe for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt. Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, and Graville Calais. Join us over at patreon.com slash show to get more of me and Joe and to get an extra episode every Friday only for Patreon subscribers. 
Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.